this edition of Hoopsology, we have a great interview with executive producer of The Shift, Kayla Gray. She provides great insights regarding the NBA, discussing measures that would allow players to cite mental health similar to a physical injury, and she gives her thoughts on the Sarver and Udoka scandals. Please note um, the Kayla Gray interview was recorded um, before the suspension came down for Udoka and also just the latest developments with Robert Sarver. Um, then Matt and I break down the latest concerning um, the controversies with Robert Sarver um, and the Phoenix Suns and what's going to happen with him selling the team and just the consequences from a media rights standpoint. And then we give you our thoughts regarding the Ime Udoka um, Celtic scandal, <laughs> just a lot of scandals this offseason, and we're here to bring you the latest concerning that. Um, get in touch with the show through Facebook and Twitter. Leave us a review on iTunes and email us at hoopsologypod at gmail.com. We are a proud member of the OTG Basketball Network. And now, Kayla Gray. She covers the Toronto Raptors for TSN out of Canada, and she is the executive producer and host of The Shift. We welcome Kayla Gray onto Hoopsology. How's it going, Kayla? Good, good. How are you guys doing? Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming on to the show. Really appreciate it. And really looking forward to this interview because I think you have a lot of great insight in a, in a bunch of topics concerning the NBA. So let's hop into it. Mm-hmm. Um, just, you know, being nosy around your Twitter page, I think you had a <laughs> lot of interesting just things that you're retweeting and talking about. And one of the things I really noticed that I wanted to kind of get your opinion on is that the NBA is now discussing measures that would allow players to cite their mental health, um, similar to a physical injury, according to mm-hmm. Shams. So kind of what's your opinion on this? That this is pretty um, groundbreaking in my opinion. Yeah. Um, what, what's your, what's your feelings about this? Yeah. So they would be, I think the first professional leagues even like implement say a mental health day. I'm a massive advocate for these days. Um, and I think, you know, just as recently as today, and if you have not, I strongly recommend everyone going to players tribune and taking in the powerful words, words from John wall yeah. of just the struggles that he's gone through um, all, over the last couple of years, losing his best friend, losing his mom, um, losing himself really. And, and, and pulling himself out of a dark hole and to be so vulnerable i think ben simmons was also talking about mental health we've had so many great wonderful examples of nba players coming forward and not bearing that stigma but stigmatized shame around mental health um it's a very serious thing and i think you see it in the ways that players wear their hearts on their sleeves there's the happy emotions and there's the tough emotions that everyone's trying to navigate through so i think this is a massive step forward for the nba it's a massive step also forward for those that might not feel empowered or comfortable enough to come forward with things that they are dealing with, but do also understand and know that there is a resource available to them. Um, I love how the league has pro- has progressed in such a way to make sure that players know that they are taken care of. Yes, from like the financial literacy point and you know the know hows and know whats of how to get into the league and conduct yourselves and schedules and all of the things. But really, the true question and the real conversations that have be have to be had and have to have space for is how to take care of yourself, not even from a physical nutrition st- st- um, stance, is a mental stance. Um, you know, I, I was on the road for like the first time last season, right? That thing takes a toll. And, you know, you think about the player's schedules, what they go through too, also balancing a home life, a social life as well. It's a lot to take on, you know, so I'm really, really happy that the league has settled on this. Oh, go ahead, Matt. Kayla, I'm sorry, just a quick follow up on that. I, I know this is still a plan that's coming into fruition and, and a new 
um, you know, option for these players, a, a new potentially need, of course, with these mental mm -hmm. health situations uh, from a nuts and bolts perspective. Is, is that something where they're thinking like a psychiatric evaluation is involved in mm -hmm. this sort of release or the players kind of dictate this? Well, I think that that's that's a real very important question is who mm -hmm. gets side who's going through what. Right. And how sure. do you measure that? Um, I think that there's a great trust. Uh, obviously, the Players Association is having incredibly open, honest conversations. And because they're so open and honest, only authenticity is breeding from those conversations. Right. I think a lot of guys would say, of course, I want to play. But when you look at, say, injuries and mental health at the same level, there are going to be times where you're roadblocks from that and you need to be honest about both things, right? So I think that there's an equal level of trust that if people come forward and say, I need a day or I need some time or I might need some resources in this regard, the NBA has to take that seriously. You have to take people's word at it. Sick days, let's say. I can't walk up to your, to your house, Matt, if you're calling in sick and be like, well, are you really in there? There's a sure. level of trust and conduct. And I think when you look at the CBA, when you look at contracts being signed, there's an honor system there of how you would conduct yourselves accordingly and openly and honestly. So I think that they don't really need to have so much language around this day or this resource rather um, in order to make sure people are telling the truth. Do you foresee any kind of pushback to that? I mean, I I imagine, you know, of course, if like an owner pushes back against this or something, it's going to oh, yeah. be well, well, a PR sure. disaster. Yeah, we'll, but... we'll see an, an <laughs> owner push back, right? Because I think sometimes when we see the words, well, this is a business at the end of the day, obviously mm. from a business standpoint, you want the best product forward, which means you want your best players out there. But guess what? These are people at the end of the day. Um, sure. And these are more than athletes at the end of the day. And think about the sacrifices that it, they all make. And yes, they, of course, make money big big money than you know the average joe's like us out here that are just you know but at the end of the day ownership makes billions with a big b so um you know i i think that yes we'll probably see some pushback um and even too for maybe some coaches um who might be of an old school mind of you have to show up you have to push through but i think with a little bit more education and openness and also seeing the repercussions of that type of mentality i think a lot of pushback against that type of mentality and mindset um, is going to help move this forward kayla um just shifting gears you mentioned the owners and just want to get your opinion concerning the latest with robert sarver um, both Matt and I are, you know, very close to the kind of the southwestern area. We're originally from Albuquerque, New Mexico. Mm -hmm. And so we have a lot of familiarity with this, the Phoenix Suns, one of our best friends is really a huge Phoenix Suns fan. So there's all this going down. We've been tracking it very closely from when the, um, story broke on ESPN to now where he's planning on selling the team. What are your feelings on this? I feel conflicted because I think it's the right thing for him to be removed. Um, I think could I get a new fresh coat of paint for not only the Suns, but for the Mercury at the same time. I mean, he has control of who he sells the team to and ultimately he's going to make billions of dollars from the sales. So yeah. it's, it's such a, it's a, it's, you know, it's not like, you know, the bad guy goes down in the end. I mean, he's still going to make billions of no, dollars. No, the so. bad guy gets to like paint the door in which he yeah. decides open and walk exactly. out, which is like the most unfortunate part. I think, yeah. listen, obviously we now know when the curtains peeled back. And I think a lot of us had this idea of how things go, right? When we saw what Donald Sterling and the firm evidence were Adam Silver and kind of really our first introduction to Adam Silver and the first like harsh decisions, tough decisions he had to make was to say effective immediately, this guy's banned. But then you have that contrast of there was no doubt in the mind there was the audio there was all the horrific things that 
you know, evidently were said. And I hate to think that, of course, because we all heard it, it had way more impact than reading it from the hundreds of employee testaments um, within the Suns and Mercury organization of just how Cyber was conducting himself as a human around other humans. Um, but yeah, I think it was a little bit tough to see Adam Silver at one point take such a strong stance in one regard and then almost soften it in the other regard. But what I always say to people is you have to think the commissioner is the best lawyer out there, right? <laughs> and also too, you're balancing so many heads up top that are like, well, if this comes out, my gosh, imagine what comes out in my organization. Does this mean this is the end for me? So there's a lot of pressures and I'm not excusing um, the softness of the blow per se, but I think it did work in Adam Silver's favor that public pushback happened and that there was public outlash. And at some point, you must have felt like there had to have been some relief that the public was going to take care of it. How it went down, obviously, we're a little bit disappointed that Sarver had to walk out on his own accord. And then also that statement, too, of, of what type of climate we're in. Like, right. yeah, I even know what I'm like. No, this is a climate of accountability, sir. <laughs> Please walk yourself out. Um, I think that that was tough. But nonetheless, you think about the horrific things, what employees had to put their names forward to, and also thinking how much fear must have gone gone behind that of putting your name out there and feeling like, okay, if I say something, like that, that's a wrap for me. Like, that's it, right? And so, you know, those, that's the first thing I think that came to mind with me and like hearing more about the stories was, my gosh, I hope these employees are taken care of or empowered or feel safe even walking back into work after coming forward and doing so brave. And, and that's who my heart goes out to. Um, but there is no way, and I think specifically of, you know, Sarver using the N-word and the ways in which he has been so gross and almost objectifying women. How can you trust someone like that to continuously be around a group of Black people, a group of men, um, you know, a group of women? Uh, I, I just don't see it. And, and you know, it seemed as though this wasn't, uh, well, don't you think he was going to, like, learn if he got, like, this hard stern talking to one time? Clearly, if you read the report, he was talked to and told about this a few times and decided, listen, I put the lights on in this building. I'm going to conduct myself with such ignorance and foolishness. And so, you know what? You want to play silly games, you might get silly results. And I think yeah. that that's what happened here. A follow-up to that. You know, Matt and I have talked to plenty of journalists who have covered the league. And we've heard things from other owners as well, similar to Sarver. Uh, but, at the, but yet there hasn't been like that big smoking gun. Is it time for the league to be proactive in terms of the ownership? I mean, I just feel like, we're going to have to go through this every couple of years with this. Oh, you know, yeah. The, yeah. I'm like, when honestly, shouldn't the league just be proactive in terms of its ownership? Just in order to make sure that that doesn't happen anymore. I mean, clearly the players have a lot of power in terms of their voice being heard with mm -hmm. this LeBron and Chris Paul and others making their voices known on social media. Uh, do you think it's time for kind of Adam Silver and kind of, you know, other uh, powerful figures in the league to be proactive within its ownership and making sure that this is cleaned up throughout the league? Yeah, and I think as recent as today, we're seeing, you know, what's happening in the Celtics organization. And, and we won't, we don't even need to get into the personal issue at hand, but just the practice in which we all learn this information. I always have these conversations with people around the league about policy and how it seems like that seems to be a line that is continuously moving because there is no language and or 
consistency as to how people run their businesses around the league, how you can conduct yourself in one organization can play complete opposite in another. And both of those cases seem to be okay, which is not okay in an NBA that is trying to progress and be at the front line and the forefront of upward moving thinking. I think that there has to be either courses, either some kind of audit or some kind of language somewhere when it comes to ownership of making sure that you have your pillars as a league and the people that are around people and especially marginalized folk are following and aligned with those same set foundations. But when the league had, of course, expanded the way that it had, all you really wanted at the, at the end was the dollar, right? So people were so willing to just turn their eye to what everyone actually was doing to get said money or who the people were before the you know, behind the dollar. And I think that that was the problem because now you're seeing either it's family money, either it's generational stuff, and you can't even, you don't can't even begin to talk about where to nip it at the butt, right? So I think moving forward, and especially if we're going to see more stories coming out, Conversations need to be had with the league, set guidelines and standards as to who are the, t the people at the top. What are they doing? What are their hiring practices? What are their actual policies? <laughs> are those being in place? What's the HR system like? What does accountability look like within each organization? Now, I'm not saying that the MBA at the top doesn't have these set things, but it seems to be that people are operating very independently. And it feels as though what I think the NBA would have wanted and what is actually going on within the league seem to be very different things and sad things, frankly. I, I do wonder with, um, you know, the recent news about Coach Udoka and, and these things coming up, um, we have, you know, something that there's a duality to the situation. And, mm -hmm. and I don't want to get into the personal elements, but of course, a huge personal element involved yeah. here, intertwined with the organization, which I think is the, of course, big problem for the Celtics organization is that it involves directly people in their organization. Um, do you see there being, I, I guess, maybe a, a momentum carrying for this or potentially um, more and more people coming under fire in the near future, like all throughout the organization? I mean, and, and I guess what I'm getting at is, does this expand to um, potentially like the way players are interacting with other people within and outside the organization. Uh, where is that line that we draw it as far as like looking at people's personal lives? Yeah. Um, and, and that's the interesting thing too, is I, I think I had to like do gut check of like, I don't even remember if there was language within, and maybe I just have to ask more questions if there's language within the franchise that I cover about, how who and who you can't and cannot you know have personal relationships mm -hmm. with um and at that end if it's consensual what happens then right but again that's the personal stuff i think where my first initial concern was was the rumor mill and the gossiping yeah. and the speculation and i think it was very clear to me and you know when the Celtics clearly put out this news, because I think it's very clear that like, I mean, it's not coming from here. It's not, you know, it was, it was very apparent that what was happening internally was put out externally by someone inside. Right. 
And yeah. I don't know what the agenda was. I'm not here to assume and or make any speculations as to what the actual agenda was. Was it to put Ime in a place where he resigned or put pressure or send a message to the rest of the of the franchise? But whoever made this decision to come forward, and especially knowing that he was not going to be fired at the end of all of this conversation, did not consider the women that they were putting in a line of fire. They did not consider that. And that is yeah. the only problem that I have in this situation. So many names. People were so gross to go on Google yeah. and Google women within the fran- within the organization and playing a game of guess who. That yeah. to me is disgusting. And that to me is where I have a problem with the Celtics organization because it's almost as though you did not think to protect the women in your franchise knowing that one of them or some of them would be put in this position. And everyone has to go back to their families. Everybody has to have these conversations. And I just feel like, oh, sorry, guys. I just have to pause. I think my Google Play music. I'm sorry. No worries. Hey, Google, stop. I swear, these Google things. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Back to my point. Um, But yeah, the person who put out this, this, this information within the organization did not think. And I think that that is the problem right there. When you are not thinking about the actions or the agenda that you have and how it might affect those within your organizations, to me, it's not coming from a good place. These are women who know how hard it is to one, survive in this industry as women and advance their careers who have sacrificed, who also have families back at home that they might have to answer to. And there was no consideration nor protection there. And that is where I have a problem not the personal stuff. I'm a big believer. Yes, I'm a reporter. Um, and, and there's certain business that I get into and things and in public things that become public. But for some reason, when it comes to the personal matters like that, that is not my business. I don't believe that that's any of our business. What becomes my business is how an organization is conducting themselves and what steps are being t- in place, put in place to take care of their own. And I felt like there was no steps being put in place to take care of any of the women that that organization and that they need to answer for. Well said. And I I do think there is a scenario that could have played out an opportunity that was missed where you, you don't do as much damage. And and Mm -hmm. that also helps the PR of your own organization. Yeah. And think about when we first heard the news, just how vague it was. We could have left it vague where people were swirling around and thinking and and what have you. But if this was going to be internally solved, I'm so curious as to why this had to spill out the way that this did. Because I'm sure that someone who spilled this out the way that it is thought it was going to go one way, didn't think that people were as smart or as nuanced to have these real conversations about workplace safety and what that looks like. On both ends, by the way, because I do believe putting women in your organization in this line of fire by not even coming out to say, hey, we stand behind the women in our organization. We see the speculations. That needs to stop. We see names being put forward. That's our own. That needs to stop. Or we have dealt with this, so we are moving on as a franchise. When you're not doing that, to me, workplace safety is not at the top of mind. Completely agree. Kayla, we appreciate your time. Thank you for uh, bringing your insight to these issues. Uh, please let our listeners and viewers know where you can find you on social media, uh, what shows you're hosting, uh, what, what can uh, not only 
basketball fans in Canada, but also just you know around the world can look forward from the Raptors. And what else you're up? What else you're up to for the rest of the year as well? Yes, um, at Kayla underscore Gray on both Twitter and Instagram, um, and I also of course executive produce and host my own show called The Shift where you can see a lot of our Raptors coverage starting with Media Day next week, Monday. Right. Um, you can find all that stuff there. And then, of course, sideline, traveling around, maybe coming close to you guys as well uh, when it comes to the NBA season. So please follow along there. I'm really, really guys excited about this group this season specifically. A lot of guys got back into the gym. A lot of guys put on some weight. <laughs> Such great cohesiveness. A lot of them staying in touch over the offseason to see how they can build from that Philly series. Scotty's hungry. Pascal is, you know, taking his game to a whole different level. So I definitely have to stop by soon to give you guys a, a Raptors update because I'm very positive about it. <laughs> awesome. We'll be looking forward to that. Kayla, thank you very much for your time. Truly appreciate thank it. Thank you. Thanks. Welcome to the second half of this podcast episode you guys are listening to. Thanks for tuning in. Wanted to say hey because it's been a minute since Justin and I checked in with you all. Justin, how you doing, man? I'm doing really good, man. Yeah, long time no talk to you. How about yourself, man? <laughs> doing well. Doing great. Had uh, had a great vacation um, and just excited to get back into some NBA talk. So, you know, really, I think you and I both were thinking we wouldn't be talking current events until some massive stories um, went down this past week. And yeah. we felt we needed to get on here and give our thoughts about it because they are very impactful in terms of how it's going to affect the league next year and I think beyond. So we have two big topics that we want to discuss in this um in this segment and that is of course the exit the apparent exit not official yet of robert sarver phoenix suns owner as well as coach ime udoka and the controversy there and his status with the team right now being in limbo under suspension at the moment first i want to start with this robert sarver situation our listeners will be familiar with this. And if you want to go back, I looked at it, I believe it was November 4th of 2021. We actually detailed this whole situation, this big landmark story that came out on this. Um, actually, with much of the momentum coming from former coach Earl Watson reporting on some of the things that went down during his tenure as Phoenix Suns head coach from 2016 to 2017. So this situation has quite literally been years in the making. Beyond that, several reports from female staffers, from players, from people scattered all throughout the organization just of his poor handling, his, his um, use of the N-word, among other things, his treatment of female staffers, inappropriate jokes that he made with coworkers um, or, or his subordinates, really, since he's the owner of the team. So this, is, this was basically under investigation for the entire season. And you and I both at different points and with different guests talking about this whole, this kind of shadow just hanging over the Phoenix Suns. Um, they, of course, have an unceremonious exit to the playoffs in a game seven against Dallas, very controversial, kind of laid down and died apparently from the looks of it outside looking in that last game of the playoffs. And we start to get maybe 
a little bit more to that story with all this coming out. So fast forward to about a month ago, we get news that Robert Sarver has been suspended from attending games for a year for um, essentially being the owner of the team for a year. And I believe it was a $10 million fine that was placed upon him, which is chump change for Robert Sarver um, (laughs) as its NBA owner. But nonetheless, this comes down. And then last week, we get news that it's changed. And not only will Robert Sarver not be in attendance this next year, but he fully plans to sell this team now. And I guess just to quote, there's something about Mary, you know, quit while he's (laughs) ahead. Um, so clearly this seems to me like sort of a league power play similar to in some ways, the league pushing out Donald Sterling, because let's be honest, Donald Sterling didn't have to sell. He could have, he could have held the reins tightly and, and fought some legal battles, but you know, they had the video and audio clip back then. We don't have to go through that whole situation again. I think the difference here. Most people will agree, or it seems pretty evident that Robert Sarver, like not a very stand-up citizen, not a very nice guy to be around, not very pleasant uh, and and crude, to put it mildly, I would say. But the the major difference I see here is this is a bit of a new precedent in pushing an owner out of owning a team in that there is no direct evidence like we don't have video footage of him saying the n-word video footage of him being crude in these situations we just have several and we're talking i believe at least above 50 could be even above 100 reports of foul play inappropriate behavior from this owner so that's our evidence but it's not as direct and maybe impactful as airing that video clip footage and audio from the Donald Ster- Sterling situation from years ago when Adam Silver had first become commissioner is his first thing to do. So we are setting a new precedent here. I guess the first question I want to ask you, Justin, is what do you make of this situation? Do you think Robert Sarver really wanted to sell this team? Um, I don't think so. I think there, there's several things at play um, I think you're right. If with remember the Donald Sterling thing had a lot of tabloid salacious gossip to it as well. I mean, you're dealing with with you know cheating. You're dealing with I think at the time, if correct from wrong, with um, I'm <laughs> I'm blanking on the owner of the the former owner of the Clippers, Donald Sterling and his wife, Sterling, yes. and they and just the whole thing about you know the wife wanted him to sell the team and just the pressure and then just Correct. like Bill Simmons broke this down in terms of you know other big time billionaires driving up the price and then virtually you know Sterling sold the team so Sterling became rich um i think in our society i'm trying not to dwell too long but i think in our society it's kind of like if it's not video or audio it's real hard to connect with it and so you notice with this, there was no really no national news coverage in terms of like, you know, your I'm trying to think, you know, your you know CBS nightly news or NBC nightly news or any kind of mainstream news outlets carrying this, whether it's Fox News, CNN, whatever your you know cup of news is, um, it was not discussed. Even the internet show that I watched, Philip DeFranco, that covers news, he didn't talk about it. So 
it's abundantly clear that, you know, audio and video of a smoking gun is going to um, garner more coverage. That being said, I think this shows the power of the, the, the players in the league in terms of, hey, this is not happening. We got to get this guy out of here. Um, I think my my question is, and I'll because it's the second point I think Bill Simmons brought up is very interesting with the media rights. But before I get to that, um, the first question is I I'm wondering. This is the second instance where we had a we have an owner demonstrated this, this type of behavior, and we've heard rumblings. I will say from other journalists that we have interviewed around the league of other owners that participate in this type of. Um, inappropriate behavior. So, for from an Adam Silver standpoint, is it one of those things where you kind of have your cake and eat it too? Where like get rid of these bad guys and then to sell it to young progressive billionaires, you got to drive up the price, and then you know the least going to get richer. So it's kind of like, hey, we could be richer and we get rid of these bigots out of the league. It's kind of like you know, you can, it's a win-win situation. Do you see Adam Silver being proactive instead of just waiting for you know these big-time scandals to come to light? Well, I think, yeah. I mean, one of one of the questions for us to cover today, you know, that this leads nicely into is in the next two, three years, do we see any more owners getting ousted yeah. kind of along the same lines? And my answer would be absolutely yes. I mean, today, if I'm if I'm Robert Sarver and I'm very petty, very bitter about this situation, <laughs> we just had a recent major scandal that was pretty widely reported in Dallas. Um, And and so if, if I'm on my way out and if I'm bitter and petty about this situation, as it seems like Robert Sarver has been in others, I I don't know why he's not like pointing at Mark Cuban. This happened under his watch, get him out of there. Um, Even though, yes, it's not the same situation and people generally speaking seem to like Mark Cuban, which is a huge difference between him and Robert Sarver. So, I do think without having direct evidence, if you're an unlikable owner now, it it's an interesting precedent that this sets because you could just be pushed out because people report things against you. Now, I, I'm not saying or trying to imply in any way that people were falsely reporting these things against Robert Sarver because they didn't like him. It seems that the amount of people reporting this is just insurmountable that that it it seems to ring true but it is interesting again that we don't have direct evidence so absolutely i could see more owners being pushed out of ownership um how about you can i ask you a question what would be direct evidence are you looking for like video audio what do you what would be correct correct or an email something in writing something that is is down on paper, not just, I heard that he said this, or he told me this, because that that's a little bit more of a he said, she said, because just hypothetically, again, not accusing people of lying in this situation or anything, but hypothetically, when it comes to putting this legally, like if Robert Sarver wants to fight this legally, it's your word against mine. For Robert Sarver, it's it's the word of like 80 plus people against his, though. Yeah, I think it's insurmountable. I think Correct. unless it's some, uh, a, that's a hell of a conspiracy to get rid of somebody. Um, so for sure. I, for sure. I, I think personally it's true unless we see otherwise. Um, I think just because of the insurmountable evidence, I think 
if it was, you know, let's say five people, I think you'd be right on the money. But I just think due to the amount of people around the league, um, I, I think it's insurmountable. I think yeah. I don't know why it takes so long just for this in terms of, you know, for this coming to light. That's what's extremely kind of weird about the situation. Um, I think what's going to be fascinating is that I think you're going to see owners not leaving because of like skeletons in their their closet. But I, I am down with this Ben this Bill Simmons um, theory in terms of you know once Sarver sells the team, I think he has a controlling stake, so he doesn't own like the entire team. So I think whatever yeah. stake he has, I you know, and what I've heard is like you know he Bill Simmons is talking about like four point five billion. I mean, if you're Cuban, the Mavericks are worth more than the Suns, in my opinion. Um, Mm. That's that's just what I personally think. So you can just imagine if you're Mark Cuban, you could possibly get ten billion. I think, you know, for the for the Dallas Mavericks are close to it with the television rights going up. I mean, it's. I think with Simmons had a really good point. It's going to be an insane time in the league, <laughs> just in terms of just, you know, these teams going for billions and billions of dollars and it's seeing kind of a new face of you know ownership and accountability as well compared to before. I mean, the, the landscape is dramatically, dramatically changing. So I don't necessarily think it's going to be because of scandal. I just, just think it's just going to be because of just the rights of the, the, these teams are going to be going up. Yes. Uh, another interesting element of this, Bob Iger, former, yes. um, was it president of Disney, CEO of Disney? I think um, so. This brings up an interesting conspiracy because... <laughs> And I, I say this just because of the intrigue, not that I buy into this. <laughs> but uh, so Bob Iger, president of Disney, Disney owns ESPN. ESPN breaks the story. Bob Iger now in purchasing group potentially for Robert Sarver's share of the team. Do you buy at all in the Bob Iger conspiracy theory here? Oh. Uh. <laughs> I guess, I mean, to me, it's kind of like, I don't know, maybe I'm missing something, like like how relevant it truly is, someone. I mean, if he wants to be a part of the controlling stake, that's cool. So I think it's very interesting to see if there's going to be, if he's part of a controlling stake, like who's going to be running the team as an ownership? Is it like... Is like a big board. Is it like an evil board that like determines what's going to happen with you know Chris Paul's contract? Like, I don't know. I, I don't. I mean, if he's if he has enough money with this you know team of people that own the team, cool. If he doesn't, he doesn't. I don't really. I mean, I guess it's a conspiracy. I don't know. Um, <laughs> I think the biggest thing is seeing how much if they have enough money to pull it off from from again. If you take Bill Simmons' word from it, he says that he doesn't. And, right, and right. along with his, you would need his, other investors. His homies. Yeah, right. so I, um, I just don't think so. Well, and at the end of the day, I mean, if if you and I both just said we believe the people that came forth about Robert Sarver, I mean, if they didn't tell ESPN, they would tell somebody else. Yeah, true. And come forward about it. So, yeah. so no, I don't buy the conspiracy that Bob Iger like weaponized these people in a bid to no. <laughs> claim ownership of the Phoenix. I don't team. think so. But I think it's. It's very funny to talk about, which is why I brought it up. Last thing, and then I do want to move on. We got plenty more to talk about. Um, Sun's chances improved or hurt by this whole thing going down at this point in the offseason? Do you like their chances better next year or worse next year purely because of this situation? 
I would say better. I mean, he's. I mean, look at the look what happened at the height of this, I and mean, they still were, were pretty successful. And now he's going to be gone for the most part. I mean, the news you're going to be hearing is him trying to sell his controlling stakes. So um, that's not going to really directly affect the team. I mean, you might get a question here or there, but I mean, compared to the Donald Sterling, where it's just so much this you know, gossip and interviews. It was just a complete mess. I think here there's not too much attention on it from a national standpoint. So I think, you know, the daily grind of practice and just interviews about the game, I don't I don't really see this having too much bearing. I think it'll be more of a positive in terms of the team not having to deal with this outside distraction. Yeah, timing of the Donald Sterling situation, I believe, was the first or second round of the playoffs. It was. Much yep. different than during yes. the offseason and any success that the Suns have had the past two, three years have been in spite of Robert Sarver, not because of yeah. him. So I, I'm with you. I think it improves their chances for next year. I think it it helps them. Uh, it, it, it takes a weight off their shoulders. Let's move on, if that's all right with you, because yeah. we have a whole nother topic to cover. So Coach Ime Yudoka, beloved by Boston fans, one of the uh, many of recent years, but most recently, the most exciting first-year coach, first-year head coach anyway, that we have had in recent memory. I mean, maybe the most exciting since Steve Kerr took over and started coaching the Warriors. Gets the Boston Celtics, who are not favored to make the finals, gets them to the finals. Of course, we all know they lost to the Warriors, but very, very successful year for a first coach and one of the major things is he came in with a really tough attitude really challenged the younger factions of this team and told them that they need to they need to put up or shut up basically Mm kind of came in with that attitude and it worked It, it didn't make players pout it made players work harder it made this team gel and they came into this postseason this previous postseason with this intensity that they were just going to run right through you. They were going to outwork you. I do believe he is the primary figure that changed the culture of the Celtics last season. Uh, he He's the biggest factor that changed, along with, of course, Al Horford coming back. That was huge, especially with how he performed in the postseason. So this story is still developing. You've heard a little bit about it in um, the interview you just listened to, but... There was a consensual relationship that Coach Udoka had with someone in the Celtics organization that began in July. Um, the story is still developing, so I don't want to uh, report any inaccurate information, but apparently this whole thing, uh, the organization was made aware of this because I believe Udoka said some things, we don't know what, that um, were unkind, unfavorable, uh, potentially pressuring to the person on the other end of, again, this consensual relationship. I think what is maybe so novel and shocking about this whole situation is that this happened, this wasn't like an affair that we often hear about, unfortunately, that that happens with road travel and things like that in the NBA. This was an affair that happened within an organization, uh, two people involved in the Celtics organization. Um, Twitter, as per usual, is garbage. Uh, <laughs> our our 
uh, guest discuss some of that. So I don't want to touch on that too much, but you know, welcome to Twitter. It, it was awful uh, what went down and the conversations that happened around this. Um, so um, I guess, were you surprised about this news when it broke? Let's start there. Um, yeah, I was just surprised that <laughs> all of this just came like an avalanche all at once. Because let's yeah. as, let's be honest, I think from a pop culture standpoint, you know, with Ime Yudoka, he you know his relationship is with Nia Long, prominent actress, mm-hmm. and I think you know the discussion all, online is like you know how can you do this to Nia Long, which is like ridiculous. It's just, to me, it's like I think the narrative of this was just had a, a terrible stench to begin with. I think from a personal aspect, we know cheating is bad no matter who it is. So sure. I just think it was. I had a big problem with just kind of sexualizing Nia Long first. I think that's issue number one. I mean, there's a lot of issues here. So that's that's problem number one. Problem number two, like you said, Matt, Twitter is, is a cesspool. And basically you had people, you know, all over social media trying to, you know, discover who the woman was and trying just to out um, this different female staff at the Boston Celtics. Terrible, too. And I think um, our guest put it perfectly. And we can kind of, you know, that she summed it up pretty well there. Um, number three. I think the more important thing until we know more is let's because we don't know enough information. I'll just go with the consensual relationship. And then, sure, sure, yeah, um, that does and, seem to be true. So we'll and and if we hear more, then it'll be different. But from what I understand so far is this was a consensual relationship with a Boston Celtics female staffer. The issue here at play is that he's in a power position. And I've been enlightened on this, and I, t- I tend to agree that despite this being a consensual relationship so far, that's come out. Um, I think he his his power um, it should be called into question because I think you know as fans, Matt, I think we kind of associate just a head coach with just he's the boss of the guys on the team. You know, there's the twelve guys on on the floor. That's it. But he's also interacting with other you know workers of the Boston Celtics as well. That's the broadcast team. That's PR. That's, you know, everybody else that works in that building on a daily basis. So he is a higher, he's a, to my understanding, a a higher executive uh, within the company of the Boston Celtics. And we're looking at it from a kind of a company standpoint and not from a sports organizational standpoint. You're also a face of that organization. absolutely. interact with the media. Absolutely. Correct. So him having this relationship with a female staffer I think is I think is an abuse of power and so when that comes into play I think that's grounds for a heavy punishment in my mind the problem is is that I don't think the Boston Celtics is that virtuous I don't think out of the goodness of their hearts the Celtics are protecting their female staffers I do believe something else went down I do I think we're not getting the whole story. I'm not. It's just speculation. I don't know, but I don't believe that this is the entire thing. And we'll see if the investigation leads to something else. Um, as we know now, it's consensual, and that's all we have in terms of relationship. But I do think something else happened, and I think that is why they want to keep it hush hush. And to me, what's bizarre in this situation for Yudoka is I'm wondering from his standpoint. Like, why is he staying with the team? I mean, is he – I wonder if from a legal standpoint, I mean, if I'm him, I'd be like, I just want to bounce. I mean, you're going to suspend me for a year. My team, From a basketball standpoint, I'm going to lose my team. 
And mm-hmm. just think either way, either scenario, if they suck, they're going to blame you. If they're great, they're going to ride with the new coach. <laughs> either way, you you're screwed. Back how are you going to come back next yeah. year? Exactly. Yeah. And if you're a yeah. Boston Celtics, same thing. Like, don't you just get rid of this guy? Like, I don't understand, you know, playing his games of just suspending this guy for one year for something to me that I think there's a lot more to the story. So I don't know. I think the what I am shocked is them taking such a um, hard stance on this and then being very, you know, just they're, they're, they're this great organization protecting their employees. I don't necessarily believe that in the world of was sports. It, was Call it me jaded. Dance. Was it a hard huh. stance to suspend him for one year? Or is um, that too soft? I mean, should they have just, like, cut ties right away? I would have fired him personally, but I right. think – with the, the, this, I think what I'm saying is this president, uh, just talking about it this, with my girlfriend, is just like, you know, you look at like, the mouse in the palace, right? You know, Ron Artesk, he, he assaulted somebody. Steven Jackson, like, KO'd <laughs> in Mortal Kombat somebody on the court. <laughs> and so I think those suspensions were less. And in this situation here, to, take, to see a team take this stance, I just don't think that or that progressive. <laughs> I don't buy it. It just, it just seems fishy to me. Now, in terms of what they should do, I agree. I just, I just fire him. It's just stupid. I mean, just, just fire the guy. This is ridiculous. Like, why are we playing games in terms of just suspending a guy for one year? Um, but in terms of, like, is this a situation of them being, like, kind of super progressive? It's kind of like, it seems to me it's kind of, they kind of, you know, they want to punish him, but they want to keep him which I just think is impossible at this point. I think it's kind of irreconcilable. Like, you just have to well, get rid of it. And I think – one more thing, and i move on. I think sure, sure. if this was the NFL, I mean, head coaches, I think, are more recognized as a premium if being totally, like, focused on winning and not caring about human emotions and people's feelings and just about common decency. I think, you know, coaches in the NFL are a lot less expendable. And in, in, in the NBA – Shish, let's get the latest guy who's retired. <laughs> I mean, just being, just being honest. I mean, look at Steve right. Nash. He got a job with Brooklyn. I mean, just who's retired now? Just, just hire that guy. I mean, seriously. I mean, I don't – despite how well he did – and granted, you're right, Matt. I think he did a phenomenal job in his, for his first year. Sure. Um, and he was handpicked by Brad Stevens. At the same time, I'm like, is this guy worth it? I mean, right, really? Right. <laughs> so, so let's be clear. Let's be clear. And I think this is where – the common thread is that we can tie together these two situations. This is an issue of liability in both cases. Robert Sarver being among the, what is it, 30 owners of the NBA Mm -hmm. is Mm -hmm. a liability issue because of what came out in that report. Sure. If you don't get rid of him, there's going to be more things like this. We don't believe that he can change based on his past history. You're exactly right. Let's say hypothetically, and again, I, I'm not someone who believes that affairs are okay or anything like that. If, if this situation happens and the female involved is not in the Celtics organization, this is a non-story. And Coach Yudoka is coaching tip-off next year. And that's that's just the reality. This is a big deal because it's someone in the organization, and that's why the organization is taking action. Correct. Um, because... Unfortunately, th- this stuff does happen. It's, I, I think it still is the exception and not the rule in the NBA. Maybe I'm naive, but this does happen when when you have people on the road a lot. Um, and when you have people that are very successful, very attractive potentially, 
what have you. This this does happen. The issue here that makes it a big deal, the reason he's suspended for a year is that it's internal within the Celtics organization. And it's is against, I believe, their own policy um, in terms of dating a co-worker or yeah. staff member, how, however you want to put that. Um, is there any chance in your mind that we see Coach Udoka as a Celtics coach again? He's not fired from the team. They have not said at this point in time they've not assured him he will be back with the team so he's one year suspension right now i would give it because it's sports i would give it like a 25 percent chance he's back wow just i think just because if the team i i I think they really like him i think brad stevens really likes yudoka they hadn't picked him and i think them i say the 25 percent because they didn't fire him they suspended him um, I think they really like him. I think it was kind of a thing of like, hey, we need to douse out a harsh penalty, but we don't want to fire you. We really like you. Like, <laughs> I mean, you're you're the future of this franchise. Like, you're putting us in a hard spot, and we, we don't see our future with any other coach, even though I think that's ridiculous. But they see Udoka as very valuable. So I think, honestly, even if, you know, you have a situation where whatever coach they pick – um, take over this team if they do really well. I think Yudoka's probably going to be in line to coach this team. And you know how the, you know how we are in this mm. society. We forget about things. Like you mm. know, he'll come back. It'll be outrageous. And then, and if it stays as it is in terms of a consensual, you know, relationship of him cheating. I mean, unfortunately, in this society, cheating's kind of like not. A huge deal. On it sucks. I think it is a huge deal. I think it's it's horrible to do that 100%. for somebody. But totally at the agree. same time, it's kind of like in in society, it's kind of like yeah, <laughs> it's like, yeah it's, it sucks. But I think I think within our society, as long as it doesn't cross over to non consensual and abuse and harassment, I think that's where he's toast. I think mm-hmm. as long as it stays within this spectrum here, I think there's a decent chance he comes back. Wow. I, I feel like there's zero percent chance he comes back. I hope back. you're right. I hope you're right. I, I think I, um, right. <laughs> I think the only way he comes back is if the Celtics miss out on the playoffs. Yeah. Which I, I don't see that happening. Um I know that uh those players are close to him. I don't think it's going to impact them uh so much so that they miss out on the playoffs. Um but you know, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. And and you bring up a lot of great points there that I agree with. Um, wanted to backtrack to this. I, sure. I've got two more things real quick, and then I want to wrap up. Yeah. Um, when this broke, it, it seemed like the Celtics were trying to keep things under wraps. So, so it did seem like the Celtics, they didn't want this out, that it involved a female staff member um, or, or the, the wife of someone on staff. I, I, I don't know. Um, it, it seemed like they were trying to keep this under wraps. And what really blew the lid open on this was Shams reporting um, and, and a tweet that he sent out. From what you saw with how this came out, the surprise, the shock, the outrage, whatever, um, should there be criticism for Shams and Woj for situations like this? Uh, I don't think so. I think they're doing their jobs. I think this kind of goes into the situation of where's the leak? Get rid of the leak. Who leaked it? Mm-hmm. So that's, I mean, this has been a problem with journalism for years. I mean, not, this is not, this is 
a similar situation in terms of a leak, but not in terms of like seriousness in terms of like people and lives. But a similar situation, kind of a situation with leaks happened within the UFC. I don't know if you remember, it was like UFC 196. Ariel Hawani, notable MMA reporter, he's covering the event. He gets a leak that Brock Lesnar is going to fight at UFC 200. Somebody at the UFC leaked it to him, or we had a source. And so mm-hmm. instead of with Dana White being upset at his PR team, hey, how did this cat leaked out? He blamed Ariel, and there was like a fiasco of like, you know, he's not covering the UFC and just blaming him. He's like, he's just a reporter. Like somebody gave that information to him. Same thing with this with, with Shams and Woj. Like somebody gave that information. There shouldn't, there should be no leaks. Like if there's a situation where if this is highly sensitive and you're dealing with Udoka, Brad Stevens, and any other ownership, shouldn't there be like three people, three or four people that know about this? Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> and then you can know, hey, if somebody leaked this, who leaked it? Who did that? Like, I don't think it's really the reporter's obligation in that point to, I don't know, protect the organization. Yeah. Now, and, and also, too, I feel like they probably know a lot more that they're not telling us, to be honest. Sure. Um, just due to all their sources and everything going down. So, Yeah, reporters should report. I, I feel um, very similar to you as, as far as this goes. Um, I mean, there are some certain situations that you could say are exceptions. I don't feel this is one of them. I don't blame Shams or Woj for the grossness that happened with this situation. That's those individuals that are tweeting out gross stuff and things like that that's on them i see because they they took that information and they made it gross um just to be very vague about that Mm. but um but i do want to get to last question and kind of book in this the same way we bookended the sarver situation effects on the celtics next year How, how do you see this impacting them do you see them better or worse for it if i i know we know uh, next to nothing about the replacement for Yudoka at this point, you know, but um, just putting on, you know, your, uh, or looking into your crystal ball, let's say, <laughs> how are the Celtics going to do? Are they, you know, impacted five games or more because of this, or mm. is this a rally cry for them? Well, I think in sports, you know, we, we talk about bulletin board material, and this could be a thing that rallies this team together. Um, and that, not to mention their success last year, um, just in terms of all that experience playing against a veteran team, you know, in terms of Steph and Clay and Draymond, um, learning how to, you know, win based on their experience last year. So I think coming into this year, it's, it's hard to say, man, I don't want to be kind of a chicken and just bail out of this question, but, um, I will say it will rally them. I'm not the East is a mess, <laughs> including my Chicago Bulls. It's a mess. It's just I have no idea what's going to happen. Um, to me, the Celtics seem to be. I don't know. I mean, even Robert Williams. I mean, he he's hurt. Um, so it's it, it's tough to really predict. I just think with Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum as the anchors of this team, I really I believe in them. And so I'm going to say it's going to rally this team together. And I think they'll be at, you know, the top of the conference. It's probably going to be them in Milwaukee and probably Brooklyn, number three, um, fighting over kind of the, the top of the East. And I think it will um, rally them. I, that's, I, do, I do just like those players. Um, I, I find it hard to believe they just kind of shatter because of this. 
because I just think they're they're not. I think they're mentally tough to handle this. But I could I be mean, wrong. I mean, does it make them less stable than the Brooklyn Nets right now? <laughs> That's true. I agree. Well, I agree. No, no, no you're right. Points there. No, and uh, I, I'm with you. I think there's enough leadership on this team, enough experience on this team, certainly that it can't be used as the excuse if if they fall like below the below home court advantage in the playoffs. I, I really. Uh, think they should still carry that. So I'm going to say I still have them as like a top four seed in the East. Um, and I don't know exactly where that falls. I'm going to think about it for another week or two. Speaking of which, we're going to have some season preview stuff coming up in the near future. We're going to have a lot more. We have some great interviews banked that we can't wait for you guys to hear. Uh, so stay tuned everywhere you can find us on social media to see the latest with what's going on with the show and everything. Uh, I have full confidence this will be our best season yet as far as bringing you guys great basketball content from the NBA and beyond. Justin, anything else before we close out here? I'm sorry, man. I think I got you on mute. Oh, sorry. Uh, I would say that the um, offseason has been like a disappointment <laughs> in terms of kind of yeah. NBA big moves. But I will say in terms of our content, um, you've been a great co-host, man. This us giving this some great insight and interviews. This in the offseason. So go check that out uh, right before the season kicks off to get you ready uh, for just another great NBA season. I agree with you. This season is going to be awesome. We're really looking forward to it. Appreciate you as well, Justin. Definitely looking forward to it. Guys, stay tuned. Like I said, follow us everywhere on social media. Make sure you're subscribed to our YouTube channel, the podcast feed, all that good stuff. We will see you guys in the very, very near future. Thanks for making it this far with us. If you did, appreciate you. Take care. Peace out, you guys. Yeah, laters.